0: Good evening,
1: Greg. What up, Tris?
0: Well, it's been a couple weeks since we last recorded. We had a little bit of a... I don't know what happened. I was working on my health a little bit, I think is what it was. Uh, And a heat wave came through. uh, But uh, I had a lot of time to just put together some thoughts. And I was thinking that uh, over the course of the show, we have taken a look at and voiced many, many opinions on countless issues that encumber our world today. We've talked about parents failing their children, schools failing their students, employers failing their employees, and society failing its people. We've uh, discussed failures in communication, failures to bridge divides, failures to live up to expectations, and failures to be all that we can be. And I would say Something's that— a trend. Yeah, well, we've also confessed our greatest failure here, and I think that resides above all others, which would be kind of failing ourselves at times. But um, in the wake of these issues and all the pain they have wrought and the questions they raise, I think there have been times where I have failed to take effective action towards my failures. Overall the show was made so that you and I could ask questions we felt needed to be asked and explore their implications. Uh, Some of these questions sprouted just purely from curiosity, you know, you and I wanted to have discussions about things and just explore it for the sake of exploring it, but I feel listening through a lot of our older shows and recent stuff, of course, that many of the things we've talked about have kind of festered from a place of disappointment and despair in some ways. And a lot more, of course, brewed from anger. I mean, we have questions like, why can't we take care of our own people as a country? Why do we as, you know, a people fight each other over nothing? How is it that greed and ego are the kind of things that we have to aspire towards and, in many regards, why have we let ourselves as people and as individuals and as myself and as you? Why have we let ourselves become so weak and just taking in all of these? All these uh, questions, I think are kind of useless, though, if you don't ever have a conclusive answer to it. So to that I say, why don't we just go to war with that? Those feelings? Those problems? And today I'd like to just declare war very calmly (laughs) against despair. (laughs) It's not the kind of war where I'm going to have you strap on your boots and wear a helmet, where we're going to fight some enemy with blades or bullets, hopefully not anyways. More a war of willpower, because is that not the thing that defines our history as well as our future? People with a vision of the world and the will to enforce it. So in this war, I'm not asking that we kill anybody but instead that we overcome our powerlessness that it's kind of our duty to overcome this feeling of powerlessness that we've talked about for power is not given to anyone but instead taken i think we should take all that despair harness it into anger and use that anger as i have said many times before loosely as a force of production because of what are weapons but tools to kill that which will kill you and i think despair is something that wants nothing more than to kill you In this war, we shouldn't seek the guidance of idols, for our idols are dead, assuming they were ever true to begin with. Instead, I think we should become the idols we needed all along. We'll be fighting endless opposing forces. We're talking about the greed of people who will do anything to keep their coffers bloated, the ignorance of people who would spread their lies through fear-mongering and shame, and the apathy that they want you to feel, which crushes its boots to your neck telling you that you shouldn't even try to do anything you want to do. All that just to name a handful of your enemies in this war, our enemies rather. But I think that all these enemies, all these forces at work, everything we've talked about, every single bad thing, I think all of it can be beaten by a simple decision to be greater than they are in every regard. We could be greater through education, a united effort, development of our own skills, unmatchable initiative choosing to do something instead of just wishing someone would do it for us. And in doing all this, I think people, all of us, can persevere and prosper. And for that, I say that this is a war for everybody. It is your war, you who gives your all day in and day out for those without the slightest appreciation for what you do, only to be rewarded with a world that tells you you're not enough, It is your war, you, who lives in the never-ending loop of the worst day of your life, a day that was afflicted upon you by someone who the world gave an opportunity to harm and then told you to get over it. It is your war, you, who sees all the calamity approaching the horizon and screams for others to take notice and take necessary action, only to be silenced by them for daring to speak inconvenient truths. And it is your war, you, who knows something must be done, and are awaiting guidance on what that is. Here's my guidance. The entire world is burning. So pick a battle, arm yourself, and go fight it. And if you need a battle, I I got a list right here. We got climate change, which is undeniable, as we endure a record-breaking heat wave across North America, unlike any seen before. You can hear my fan in the background for the first time. Direct result of that. We have political forces across all over the spectrum with all kinds of motives that are constantly maneuvering to carry out their agendas, even if it means mutually assured destruction for all. We have a waste of food that could feed the entire world every single day while we live in a world where billions are somehow starving to death and face oppression through the use of emaciation. Your government is broken. It will not be there for those who need help. Yet somebody has to be, despite this fact. We have people who need to be educated, including ourselves, not just on the problems that our world faces, but the solutions that they can be a part of. And so I'll put forth another question. What is a problem, but a solution waiting to be discovered? Or perhaps a solution waiting to be made? I say that you are that solution, that we are the answer to these problems, and however that answer is defined, we must decide that for ourselves, you, me, us. So to conclude, I will say this, our despair is born from a feeling of powerlessness. So let us empower ourselves by evaluating our problems and taking action upon them. Today, I choose to begin my war, and I invite you to join me. What say you, Greg?
1: Good speech. It's uh It's a good message. I suppose my odor my only uh counterpoint to that is a war implies sides. Yes. Uh but some of these solutions don't have sides. No some of these solutions are really, to put it bluntly, uh, forces of nature. And while I understand the whole idea of you know, having your passion fighting forward, uh, at the same time, the the issue with anger, uh, while in the short term, it is brilliant for pushing past thresholds. It is perfect for getting yourself out of the murky water through raw perseverance and an unwillingness to give up. The difference is though is that anger dies. It always does. Anger eventually gives out. Yes. It is a field so, that
0: has a limited resource to
1: it. And so while you sit there on the battlefield pushing forward with this this anger you can be wading through minefields and putting yourself into a worse position than you started before
0: that's why you have to be smart about it and educate yourself on it
1: no of course but this so this is my point is that anger is good for a spark but once that spark is lit, you need to be able to do something with that anger. Turn it into something useful. Agreed. It can't it can't be used as raw fuel. It can be something that if you find that you need to pause for a moment and use to reignite that fuel, so be it. But to use it as a raw source of driving energy, um it's it's not sustainable. It's In a lot of ways it's what despair wants you to do the spare wants you to use anger because once you've burned out everything else because you've been using this basically impure fuel to run your engine the one thing that comes to fill in after that is despair
0: now i will say because i know what you mean and i do agree with what you're saying But I do think anger can take on different forms as well. You seem to be describing more the dangers of letting rage guide your actions and put you into a position where you're not really thinking clearly. You're just moving. You're fueled by that feeling. I think anger can be something much more calculated, much more decisive, much more uh, potent in a way if you Mm -hmm. use it in a way that's more cold.
1: The thing is, though, and this is and this is where I, I th- we might be maybe uh, missing each other, and that's fine because that's what this whole podcast is about. Of okay. course, um, when you pivot from anger into, say, you know, being passionate about something, being focused, hard work, all these other attributes. Now, it doesn't mean that anger is gone, it just means that you're not using it as a primary source. If, let's say, passion starts to dip, it's really easy to remember why you were passionate in the first place, and use that as a means to restock and refuel. Anger has its uses, and that's what what I mean. I'm not saying that it's not useful, but what I'm saying is, though, what you use it to branch into,
0: There has to be something
1: more. Yes, exactly. It cannot be just anger and rage. You can be angry about a situation. But then again, the ultimate question is, what do you do about it? So what you would say then is if there's something that makes you angry,
0: it'd be wise to understand why that makes you angry, where that comes from, those foundations from which that anger stems. And that should be what you keep in mind as your uh, mission statement, more or less.
1: Exactly. I think that's a a very good way to sum up part of what I was trying to say there, for sure. Mm. Because, you know, it's one of those things that it's really... Again, it's... Anger is natural. If you stub your toe, you feel pain. From pain, a lot of different emotions can respond, depending on your flight-flight or freeze response that you developed you'll respond differently to that pain. And so anger is a perfectly natural element for us. The The issue is is that our emotions and how we use to explore them have been stunted. We, we look at emotions, and unless you actually sit down and see how things are interconnected and how... Every little bit feeds off of the other. You don't realize that, you know, like your anger can lead into depression or passion. It can lead into uh, despair or euphoria. There are so many ways that it can go depending on how you use the catalyst. And And if you're in control of the catalyst, for that matter. Exactly, because you don't always get that choice depending on circumstances
0: I hear what you're saying and I, and I agree with it and I enjoy and I'll elaborate in a moment because I think what you're saying
1: is also where I wanted to go with this discussion here perfect um, really though what I think it does come down to is once you've kind of once you've been able to kind of map out who you are what reactions provoke what and really what drives you when you start converting it into something to do battle, to fight, what you then need to start thinking about is who are you really fighting? And when you start putting sides on the table, you know, us versus them, that kind of mentality, it really starts to bleed into other mentalities.
0: It which... does. And I think that's why it's important to have more of a less who am I fighting, but more why am I fighting. And when I say fight, I don't mean, again, I don't mean I expect everyone to get there, don't tread on me flags out, get your AKs going, and go gun down whoever you don't agree with. or no, whatever. of course. I, I don't want an actual physical fight here unless someone's no. actually, you know, self-defense-wise. Let's avoid yeah. that. Yeah. But I do think that people need to start putting up a fight, including myself, because what's the uh, opposite of doing that? That's complacence, you know? And complacence means surrender without even trying. It means just letting things happen and letting the world be defined around you. And there are, I, I would say, the majority of people don't seem too happy with the world around them. No especially you and I, we've got 17 episodes prior to all about how unhappy we are with the world around us. Yeah. So more important than anything is that why, why am I unhappy with the world around me? Why do I care about this? And what am I going to do about it? Not who, you know, who am I going to point the finger at and blame? It's going to be, what am I trying to change here and how am I going to do it? And I think that's where, you know, you're, you've been saying this too, I think this is where a lot of people get lost in that yeah. the problem becomes who do I blame and then attack that person that I blame rather than find the solution.
1: Which was a point I was going to touch on is that that's really where the problem becomes. When you, again, when you turn it into a war of ideology and perseverance, a who will always come up. That's the problem with war. That's the problem with battle. It, it is an us versus them mentality. Even if the us is a metaphysical us that doesn't exist. It's an idea that we are opposed against versus our ideals. It turns into that kind of conflict. And conflict in and of itself isn't bad. Conflict is good. Some of the best moments in our history have been derived from conflict
0: but as well the as the
1: worst some of the worst and that this is where it kind of comes as i guess as despair ridden as some of my conversation can can appear i have an idea of how i want to proceed in life uh, with my efforts how i choose to impact those around me with the words, actions, and ideas that I share. Again, it's one of the reasons why I took up the podcast is because if I can share my displeasure in the world, then it is part of what I can only hope is the solution. Because if there's one thing I know is that the changes that I want are not possible in this lifetime unless I can get my voice out there and if other people... Align with it.
0: Yes, sir. We need my, a, this
1: as a uh, step one. My my worst case, my worst case is that this voice fades into obscurity, but I know that at the end of the day, I will have given 100% of my effort to it. The best case, and this is the realist in me, not the optimist, the real the realistic outcome, the best case is that These words hit 10, 15 people. And of those 10 to 15 people, maybe three of them adapt it and reiterate it. Maybe not this generation. Maybe not this generation. Maybe the next one. But through that effort, through that learning process, through that shared knowledge and experience that is passed down from one to the other, all I can do is hope that they are able to inspire others to do and think the same. So that, as numbers increase, the real fundamental changes that do need to happen, that are the actual battles, because, again, battles of ideologies, no one wins. It's great to have those discussions and to explore them, but no one wins because one side wants to to be right and then snuff out the existence of the other. Um, it's actually something that you had you had brought up before. Um, you wanted to use as a talking point at one point, but we kind of slipped past it. But uh, I'll, I'll say it because I'm remembering it right now and it's relevant. Uh, the idea of mind Mein Kampf. Mm, yes. Written,
0: actually,
1: written I was going to talk about that in a bit too, so... It, <laughs> written by a mass murdering fuckhead. There's no question about it. But it's a book. There's information in there. Just because it was written by a mass murdering fuckhead doesn't mean that there isn't some use to derive from it. If not, to at least get inside the head of a mass murdering fuckhead. To see what he was thinking and potentially find ideologies that exist in our day-to-day life that are mimicking those ideologies and wondering why we allow those ideologies to exist today in our times now when we wouldn't have stood for it what 80 years ago
0: let me tell you something about that book I did a little bit of reading on it, only the samples so far. Um, Amazon has an issue where it has multiple editions of these historical books on there, and some of them have like coding errors and whatnot, so I'm looking for the right edition of it. But something about that book, there was a um, summary in it. Not a summary, a uh, historical context about Adolf Hitler and the time he was living in. And the interesting thing about Adolf Hitler is that he was very much a punk of his era and his society. He was the outcast who wanted to change the world for the better from his perspective and felt that he and the voices of his comrades were not being heard. They were not being listened to. They were not being taken seriously. And in that sense of, um, being an outcast he and his comrades found more camaraderie through that it united them together and that's how they were able to form very much a organization that was passionate about what it did and stood out as the rebels among their people which appealed to of course the youth of their time and others who felt they were not being treated well by the society that they were in or rather doesn't even have to be treated. Well, it's just a simple matter of your interests are not being treated well. Yeah. Your society is not working for you without knowing what would happen in the future. If you were just to take Hitler and his group that he was a part of and say the, 20s or 30s if you were to take that group and adapt what they are to our world today you would find that there is so much in common with that group and hundreds of groups that we see conflicting with one another and trying to influence the political sphere and the way our lives are just so many similarities i could already see a few absolutely And this goes back to what you were saying about how, because there were things, and I will say this, and I do mean that, there are things that are in that book that Hitler um, talks about, his ideas, his perspectives on how people should be treated and such. There are a few things in there that I think myself personally and many other people, most people really could agree with on, on a fundamental level, a very fundamental level. Do you have any any examples, like on hand? Not at the top of my head. Next week I will take notes. I I need to give this book a thorough reading. I want to be much more thorough about it. That's fair, that's fair. Next week I will dissect this for us all. But you have those fundamental values that anybody could agree is, some of it, you know, it's almost human rights that they talk about, right? And then you take that and it gets twisted and turned into this what it became, you know, the, the Third Reich.
1: Yep. Third Reich, the Superman, the Aryan race.
0: The Jewish Holocaust, so on and so yeah. forth. Name everything you want about it. And those things did happen. So what someone has to ask is how can someone get from point A, where we begin with something that's relatable, the rebels of their time and such, right? The punks of their time. To the endpoint of millions Murdered, and so many travesties committed. And there are people who would say that could never happen. You know, if they didn't know that it did happen, there are people who um, who would look at something like a uh, character in a movie having a storyline where they start off as one person and then become pure evil, and they say that's unrealistic. Real people don't aren't like that. And I think it's very important to understand that, no, this is how it happens. And it happens faster than you think. And very suddenly, it's like an avalanche, you know, a little snowball here, rolls down the hill, picks up some momentum, picks up some size, and next thing you know, it's crushing everything beneath it. Yep. And that's chaos. Which goes back to what you were saying about letting anger as your primary force be a very dangerous
1: thing. But it it also ties into uh, basically the the apathy and unwillingness of people to to stop something like that because they can stop. Here is the thing: the thing with the snowball is that when it starts rolling, it doesn't have a lot of weight to it. You know, it's small, it's inconsequential, and because it's inconsequential, so many people just let it go. Oh, they're just being vocal. Oh, they just. They're just crying about their rights. Don't worry about it. Oh, they're just crying about property. Don't worry about it. Slowly, slowly, slowly. But at any point, if someone in a position had gone in front of that snowball, it would have stopped. It would have stopped there.
0: What's the problem? You know? How can we resolve it for you so that everyone can compromise?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah let's, let's
0: address some of the concerns that you have. Then you create a solution. You have diffused a situation before it can escalate. But we don't live in that world where we diffuse no. situations and create no. solutions. We, have,
1: we actually have two. We actually have two issues, and this is actually where the snowball analogy works out really well. So right now, anyone could step in front of it. But instead, what you get is you get people who don't care. They they ignore it. Or, and this one's the most dangerous because it's happening a lot more. You get people who feed into it. Oh. This poor, inc- inconsequential thing. You know, they're right. They don't really have anything. Let's just give them what they want without actually questioning anything. Let's just give them a platform without actually hearing their, their points. You have a recent Let's example? Just, um, Antifa. Okay. The, the opposite being uh, the Young Boys. No one takes them seriously. Everyone just writes them off. But lately, they've been gaining steam. These Proud Boys, these these basically white supremacist groups under the guise of nationalism have been slowly gaining steam. But no one really pays attention to them. Why? Because they're just speaking about the country. That's great. They're just speaking about the people. What's so wrong about that? That's the one side. The other side is Antifa. And a lot of these... These liberal groups that, without any proper research or documentation, they're just conceding points to them, left and right. Trying to to fundamentally change the world. In some cases, yes, for the better. But in other cases, not so much. They're, They're doing it to the point where they are willing to sacrifice their own group if it makes their snowball bigger to gain mass. They are willing to kill off their support by, you know, ten percent if it means they gain thirty percent more speed down this hill. And what they you just care. described as mutation. Yeah. That they don't care. It is a when when you have and this is really what it comes to a good example is Uh, The LGBT community. They are willing to rally together. On some important points. But. The amount of animosity. That can exist. Between the L. The G and the T's. Because. And this is where it's really true. If you fall into that T category. If you identify as a trans woman. Well you're not quite woman enough to be a lesbian. <laughs> if you identify as a trans man, well you're not, not quite masculine enough to identify as gay either.
0: They, they get caught even up wanna... in these arguments over these little yeah. you know technical s- semantical matters that yeah. just ignore the big picture of what you're actually fighting for and then at that point it
1: becomes what are you fighting for because you don't re- you don't remember anymore. You don't know. And, and so you end up having this this mass of snow and This is where the, you get it. So, this one side turns into an avalanche because you end up having all these other bowls that are slowly gaining speed and they're crashing into each other and they're chipping off and one gets bigger and then it bumps into another and then it breaks into three more and there's no unity and it is just a force that is waiting to hit something. And when it does, when it finally hits where it's going, their whole fight. I think is going to come back in their face. There, there are so many instances where they are, they're fighting against their own team constantly, and it's making room for again going back to our other group, these proud boys, these nationalist groups that are again, they exist everywhere. There's another. There's a national group in Germany that's like unironically like the Fourth Reich. It exists. I've seen these guys. About- yeah.
0: They really don't and care for the um, refugees that came in. Is kind of their platform now. That's yeah. what they stand against.
1: Yeah. So, but these guys again, these nationalists, they are unified in their message, their ideology. But we've just been letting them slowly build up, slowly build up. But it's uniform. It's a precision strike. And we have to ask yourself. What do you think you could survive more? An avalanche or a precision hit? I'm gonna take my chances with the avalanche.
0: Assuming I don't have the, a bunker. Yeah. Probably the avalanche.
1: Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Like, statistically speaking, I could if I get lucky, I get hit by, you know, a light dusting because I'm just out of the way. Or you know, I only get buried up to my legs. I can still dig my way out. There, There's options with an avalanche. Statistics are... You have odds. But a precision strike that's been building and building, like, they've had time. They've watched your paths, your movement. They know your MO. And they also know that the whole time you aren't worried about that precision strike. You're distracted by this avalanche.
0: You're not even aware of it.
1: Yeah. You're not even aware.
0: You're looking and this at something that doesn't even have to be an issue if you would just yeah. not let it be an issue. Yeah. Or at the very least, find a simpler solution instead of getting into these convoluted loops of whatever it is that you're in a loop yeah. of. And meanwhile, the real threat's right there, yeah. and it's about to make its move on you, and you're yeah. going to let it.
1: Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that at any point, either of these events could have been stopped if, again, if people just stood up and did something about it. And something productive th-
0: about it. What,
1: that's it. And and so when it really comes back to the whole idea of like war and battle, there's only ever one battle that every person is going to face. Um, and it's going to have nothing to do with anyone else you hear it a lot in these, like, you know, these, like, gym mantra kind of, like, bullshit alpha male kind of thing. But the thing is, though, this is actually just a human thing. And it has nothing to do with, like, you know, two wolves or bullshit. The fact is, though, that you have to be able to c- combat your own inaction.
0: Yes. I don't think it's, um... Yeah, you do hear it a lot in those, you know, t- inspirational videos that tell you... No. These are the steps you have to do to change your life. No, the steps you have to do to change your life, you know you what they are. No video is going to tell you that. Yeah. But taking action is always step one. Yeah. For anything, you know, you could think about how better your life would be if you could just do A, B, and C, or if you did this and that. You know, I would have if I did this, that, this, and that back in the day, I wouldn't be living this life right now. I'd be living like that. And there's the big word: if you did it. And most people don't do it. I have uh, friends I've known for over a decade who have told me the same woes in their life over and over again. They don't like the place they live in. They don't like uh, this physical detail about their body that they could control if they chose to take control over it. Yep. Uh, so on and so forth. And 10 years I have known many of these people and they still have the exact same complaints but have done nothing to change it. And I'll, and I'll try to say, you know... I'm like, hey, man, this seems like something that's been on your mind for a while. Why don't you maybe, um, you know, you, you talk about not liking where you live. Why don't you take steps to move somewhere else? You talk about not liking your job. Why not take steps to find a better one? Or maybe, you know, go back to school so you could become something you want. And many times I'll just get this uh, this despair-filled answer that has no progress to it, no initiative to it, nothing to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And
1: that's I the killer. It, and I think the reason is is because a lot of these people, when they look at those problems, they look at it like a battle. They think that if they put effort into it, it will give short term gains. If I instantly do this, I will get what I want. In regards this to sticking
0: what? with their current situation?
1: Yeah. If I if I make this if I make the sudden change well, there's no way I'm gonna get exactly what I want right away, so why should I put the effort in because the in whole other idea... words
0: it it sounds like what you're saying here, in other words, is they don't have a long term plan. No. And I think We're that's just... the truth. They don't look past the current, you know, storm they're in. They they don't I've been listening to a lot of Jocko lately, I'm sure yeah. it shows. <laughs> they don't no. detach from their situations.
1: They can't. And this is why this is why I want to change the whole idea of that this isn't this isn't so much a war or a battle because what you're actually doing and this is something that I can direct to you because it'll be perfectly relatable to you what was easier what your job or trying to maintain that garden that you and your house have um quitting my
0: job because that garden actually is growing pea pods now then i just ate a few right before we recorded this so here's the thing the garden is just gratification because it's doing something i know i want to do
1: yes no but so here's my point here's the thing though tending a garden takes an immense amount of effort and there's no guarantee of the results but after the first season you've gained experience the next season you'll have more experience for the next crop you'll Mm -hmm. learn new tricks you'll have new skills, you'll be able to proceed, and maybe you'll have a better return.
0: I have plenty of ideas for the
1: next one. And and, plants, seasons, bugs, tons of things happen, kind of like in life. But you can't brute force a garden. Just like you can't brute force culture and identity. These things take time. Which is why it yields the most results. Yes, you have short-term things that you can do that can get you instant results. That's the the glory of battle. Is that a battle is either won or lost. Most battles, at least these days, they don't they don't drag on. Either someone gives up because they're frustrated or they brute force their way in, it doesn't matter what it is though. It could be verbally, physically, mentally, like and it doesn't matter. But when you take it slow, you nurture. You you can have moments of like quote-unquote conflict, you know? Like, oh, I had the aphid crisis of 95, you know what I mean? Like, these are things that can happen, but those aren't so much conflicts as it is you rising to the actual challenges that happen in life, the ebb and flow of it. If you treat more things with a methodical plan, realizing what the payout's going to be, and then doing the steps to reach it, you can do it. But we, are in a, we have a mentality where our aspirations begin and end with after I'm done the task, what do I get? Where, if you look at the garden approach, the idea is I know that if I do my best and work hard, I will get these results at the end of the season. That is a mentality that we need to focus on more than the whole idea of I'm going to come in, get what I want, make things happen. Because yes, for little bits, that's great. If you want to tactically remove weeds from your garden, you'll get a long-term goal of being less weeds in the garden. But, there's a bunch of other things you have to do to maintain that environment. Where... If you just do battle after battle, eventually you're looking at the whole mess. Why am I trying?
0: If you don't have direction this, and an overall bigger bigger look at the picture,
1: yeah, it's like I've been I've been doing this for three weeks. None of them are really growing. What the hell's going on, right? But because because you're frustrated, you you've burnt yourself out on all these fights, all these battles. But you've never really sat down and thought about why you're having these battles going back to you asking the question of why not the who but the why why are we doing these things and really the answer could be well why don't you stop doing those things and instead do these other things absolutely little victories will always add up more than the big ones
0: i think for a lot of people of our time our specific time, but really this is a universal thing anyways. But as far as influence goes, you know, you could say that a lot of people kind of wish that life could be more like in the movies where I'm going to change my life. And then the music swells to tell you that you're on the right path now. Yeah. And you cut into a montage and within five minutes you watch someone go from a loser to, you know, the prize fighter, the main hero. You get the training montage. You get the, I'm going to learn all these skills. Yep. And in like a movie time, that's a three minute gratifying sequence that they make the decision. It's done more or less. Yep. Whereas in the real world, you have to make that decision. Then you have to make plans for how you're going to reach that goal. Yeah. There are seagulls screaming outside my window. Um, (laughs) And then you have to follow through with those plans step by step by step. And really following through with those plans isn't this big complicated thing. I think it's, once you simplify everything, it's probably the simplicity that really gets to people. Yeah. Because it's a matter of, can you keep up with your routines? Can you keep up with doing the A, B, C, D, E, F, and G every single day, every week for a long period of time until your crop grows into what you need it to be? Yeah. And... As you said, I think a lot of people hunt that instant gratification. They don't see that long-term, that big picture. Yep. And that's what kills them, because if they could just detach from themselves in the situation they're in and look into that bigger picture, what they would see is a path to follow. And as long as they walk that path, they can leave that place they don't want to be in anymore. Yep. Whether it be a real physical place they want to leave or just the situation of their current life. Or state of mind and i had to go through that too i mean this whole past year has been one big rehabilitation process we're coming up on a uh, very important anniversary for me and i will talk about that on the day or a week of yeah but i'm only able to talk now about these things like this with this focus that i have because i went through the process of i don't want to be here anymore what do yeah. i have to do to get out of here and there were a lot of wrong turns along that way yeah. but so i guess despite
1: so I guess, those then, wrong
0: turns i i walked you know and I, I said okay dead end turn back around find the right way
1: well i guess my, my question to you then is like after you know going through all of that and seeing that do you see a future for yourself in this world now in this world yeah, yeah. well
0: i mean define this world here on planet earth yes
1: absolutely I guess just, yeah, like like, like, like again, like, just, like, continuing living. You you, you see yourself with, with, again, like, aspirations and maybe maybe a a realist vision of hope, but at least some hope.
0: I think at this point in my life, I am far more put together than I've ever been. I don't feel like a uh, broken person trying to find his answers anymore. I don't feel like I'm trying to fix the scraps that were made of some calamity in my life, yeah. you know? I feel like I have a mission again.
1: I think without question, was that, that's something you've taken back.
0: And I had to take it back in the sense that nobody could fix me. Yeah. I No one was going to do it for me. I have, um, for all my talk of burning idols and such, I still have people that I look up to as influences now, as mentors. Yeah. But the difference is these are real people, and they all have a very common theme of what it is that I look up to about them. And that theme is they work hard. Yeah. They are disciplined individuals who are passionate about the work that they do and they work hard on it every day. I can name a few. Uh, obviously, Jocko Willink is one of them. Biggest influence in my life right now. We have, uh, you know, Henry Rollins is going to be on that list. Yeah,
1: yeah he's on that list, yeah.
0: Say what you will about some of his opinions, but I think Joe Rogan is a fantastic role model in many regards, especially as far as, you know, professional...
1: I yeah, I, I've with. always, I i always respected his uh his stance on uh, a number of things. So you don't have to. This is the big thing. You don't have to agree with everything someone says to respect them. I think that's something that's really lost.
0: Yeah, for sure. It and it's a shame because, you know, I had friends who um I, I dabbled around on Instagram a little bit for a minute and then deleted it because I'm not too big a fan of uh, social media. <laughs> maybe i'll come around on that later but anyways i had friends from that i've known a long time who i edited on them and i guess they were browsing through what i'm up to and they noticed i followed joe rogan and like hey why do you follow joe rogan well i watch his show i'm interested in the things he has to say and the things his guests have to say and the discussions they have oh how do you feel about these political issues and they like listed off a bunch of issues because i think they thought that for some reason i would if I listen to Joe rog- Rogan, I have to believe in certain things, you know. Yeah. And really, what was going on there was they were getting ready to segregate me if I said things yeah. they didn't want to hear.
1: Yep. But that's the thing. It goes back to that whole, I don't ideology standpoint of you know, the moment, you're a threat it turns into us versus that. And it's like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like, you should be able to listen to what people say without trying to shut them down because it's important to hear what everyone has to say, even if it's wrong. I mean, how are you good- ever
0: going to, uh- persuade them or even just give them an idea of a different perspective if you're not even going to have conversations with these people. And I get it. There are some that you don't want to have conversations with because there's really no conversation to be had. They will not talk to you. But if you just shut out everyone based off, you know what they dabble in without understanding the context of why you're not going to get anywhere.
1: Here's, here's a real one. Here's a, here's a real kind of zinger there. If you don't listen to what these people have to say, how are you supposed to talk to the people who follow them out of it? Yeah. Um, if you don't know the rhetoric, you'll never be prepared to combat it. I read through The Art of War
0: this past week, Sun Zoom. Yeah. And a biggest cliche you hear, but it's a cliche for a reason. Clichés, all clichés exist for a reason. And yeah. one of the most common ones you'll hear is know your enemy. Yeah. Because you have to know your enemy. You can't. Beat an enemy in any regard if you don't understand how they function, how they recruit, how they gain the strengths that they have gained. But if you know these things, then you very well may know how to defeat them. And defeat can be something as simple as defusing them. Yep. You can turn off a conflict before it ever becomes a conflict, before anyone even knows it's about to be a conflict. Yep. But you have to
1: listen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, a little more of a pop culture reference. I'm gonna go from Sun Tzu, The Batman Begins. Listen, <laughs> Ra's al Ghoul said it best. You gotta mind your surroundings. The environment that you exist in, you should be aware of it. Just again, while you, while you are aware of the enemy and aware of the emotions that can spark in people, and you need to know how to diffuse them, you also need to know the environment that you're in. To know that, okay, I'm going to d- disfuse this person and de-escalate the situation. But are there anyone else who, when I do this to them, are going to respond in a way? These are, these are real things that happen, uh, even with my job. Like this is, These are things I have to consider. What ripples we send out when you throw that stone? Exactly. And so if you aren't careful yet, you'll fall through thin ice you aren't careful, yes, you will get your hand caught in fire. If you aren't careful, yes, if you mindlessly put your hand through the fence and a dog bites your hand off, it's a lesson hard learned because you didn't take a few seconds to hear if anything was on the other side of the fence. Worse than being careful
0: is blatantly being careless. If there's a wildfire burning around you and you choose just to ignore it because you don't like the look of a wildfire burning things, it's still gonna burn. And it's gonna catch up to you. The only difference is you don't get a say what happens when it does. Now the thing what? is, you'd have to be an absolutely crazy person to ignore a wildfire, right?
1: No, you'd think that.
0: And yet you'd really think that. Why would you ignore, you know, something you don't like? when you could have an influence over it before it becomes a bigger problem.
1: Because you get get two ways of people. So there's the whole idea of, why would I look before leaping? I'm just going to land where I'm going to land, which is reckless. Then there's the whole idea of look before you leap. But then everyone who says that's like, well, yeah, but if you look, you never leap. I'm like, well, no, that's people who don't have the initiative to leap. The whole idea of look before you leap is that after you look, you still leap.
0: Tell the CVO, you know, that you never leap. That guy, he looks, and then he decides I'm going to leap farther.
1: Yeah. But that, this, is, this is how some people are. And some people, again, will leap. And again, that's, that's kind of like an idea you have to take back where looking before you leap is a good thing. Taking a step back to realize and assessing a situation before going into it is good.
0: Would you say detaching
1: from the moment? Yeah, I would say detaching from the moment.
0: You are now you're now uh, listening to the uh, Jocko Jr. <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> I would, though. I would say that. You really you need to have a rational sense of detachment. And that's the problem, though. Kind Most of... people
0: aren't rational. A lot of the problems you and I discuss, as far as like people and their decision-making or lack of decision-making I notice is a total lack of balance. It's always one end or the other of an extreme spectrum, right? Yeah. Look before you run. Don't look before you run. If you look before you run, you won't run, but here you are saying, well, if you look and then run, that's a balance, that's an in-between, that's a compromise. In many, many, many situations, I think the balanced compromise is always the better option. Sometimes yeah. you don't get that option. Sometimes the extreme is what you have. Do or die. But in a civilized world, that's far less frequent than the than you would be led to believe. Or you may be leading yourself to believe. And I understand there are reasons why people have these extreme beliefs. I understand why there are re- There are so many reasons that people can be very defensive about something or aggressive about something else. I understand. The reasons exist. But what we're saying is at some point you have to choose to overcome that and take control because those reasons can't be in control of you.
1: you It's a a topic you had brushed on earlier, and it's a topic I know we wanted to get to. Uh, and Actually, now that we're talking about compromise, I think it's actually a good point to bring it on. There, so, so few people are willing to compromise. And there are situations where I think I would be happy to compromise if it just meant that X problem was solved. Good example. If every time I went to the grocery store, there was a random charge on the receipt. $2. Every time I went, $2. And that $2 basically made it so that If people came in and they needed food for their family, that they'd be able to get it.
0: (laughs) What you're describing is a um, welfare tax situation.
1: But, But listen, if it meant for sure that these kids wouldn't go hungry, I'd pay it. Pay it gladly.
0: And I see exactly what you're saying with this as far as like big picture beyond the grocery store two dollars because the because
1: like, the whole idea is that yeah okay, that, that two dollars goes to the grocery store, whatever but in, it incentivizes them to to do that. And I think if a lot of people knew for a fact and this is this is kind of the problem I think this is where people get like really iffy about welfare and whatnot, if they knew it was going to a service that was actually like needed. People would be behind it. One of the big reasons why people have such a, I think, a big problem with welfare and whatnot is there's a small margin of people who I've talked about time and time again who they take that money and they spend it on the most ridiculous things. But if you could guarantee, if you could guarantee that that money was spent on making sure you know kids were fed, people had homes, if you could guarantee that that's what that money was being spent on, I don't think people would have a problem with it and if it meant they had to pay a little more i don't think they'd have a problem with it because a lot of people will pay more money for a guarantee
0: now i will say this as well well no i won't i was going to say you know if you want to see people fed you could also directly take action to do that yeah i will say it never mind um if that's something you're passionate about, there's a lot of things you could do to directly help. As far as you know, that $2 that goes to welfare, you could choose to give as much as you like to whatever organization you believe is more capable of handling that money better. Yeah. That falls less away from compromise and more just into the topic yeah. of taking direct action for what you believe in.
1: But see, and this is, I guess this is a really the really real problem is that, was that a lot of these organizations haven't proven themselves reliable
0: and that's where the research and education comes into play know what you're doing before you do it know where your assets are going know where your efforts are going toward and if it's not going toward
1: where you want it to go it's time to redirect it it really is and uh, i think that's what people need to do you have these like long-standing charity organizations and they just don't do enough i it a good example is i'm yeah, I'm not uh, a religious person. I have my own beliefs that stem from different ideologies, and in some cases, like religious backgrounds, because I took the aspects that I felt fit me best, and I used them as a guiding thing. Uh, don't lie. Be honest. Have like respect. Be hospitable. Old, old pagan ways that just made sense. Ain't no problem with that. But when I think about Communities, and this is where it gets this is where it it tears me apart. The amount of warming rooms and soup kitchens and looking after like homeless and like abused families. Man, does the church step up its game, yes? But, but this is this, this is where my conflict is (laughs) on the same foot, though. In my country, which, again, I've talked about before, and guess what? We've been finding more and more out as we keep digging up all the residential schools in good old Canada and finding out that the church may have been a little naughty and may have murdered countless children during conversion processes during the development of Canada. And again, the church has done a lot of horrible things over the years.
0: This is the issue when you have an organization that's so big that parts of the body are complete retaliation of the principles of the other part. You have a hand that feeds and does everything it says it should do. And then you have the hand that hits and hurts and abuses. And these two things are not touching each other, but
1: they are stemming from the same place. And so a lot of these charity organizations that exist are offshoots of the church because they use the similar ideologies. Or they are like, you know, not like not for profit organizations that are being backed by other companies who have their own agendas anyways. Puppet organizations, you mean? Well it's like it, puppet it, organizations. It's it's just it really what it is it it's PR organizations.
0: Mm. Yeah, we had I worked for one in in yeah. a sense.
1: Like that's it's what it is. And so the again, it goes really back to the whole idea of research and trying to find out which which elements can do it. But I think, and i'm I'm going to go to it, and you know some people will always shout, vote doesn't matter, but it it does. And I think part of that change goes to the the polls.
0: Your vote matters when it's an informed vote, yeah. that you share that education you receive in circulaging your information. Your vote matters in more than just, you know, the four-year presidential election as well. If you go local and you gather your forces, you recruit your army essentially, yeah, and get tactical on it and put up a fight, that's when your vote matters. Your vote doesn't matter if you're just throwing something in there with no clue what you're doing. Yeah. With no long-term plan. Anybody can take a gun and shoot a bullet in a direction and hope it hits a target, right? Yeah. But your vote is one tool in a big battle
1: yeah. and to win that battle you need to be doing more than just that you yeah. it can't just, win without the vote no like that's part of it like, cuz that vote can lead to something else down the line when i the, the whole thing right now is a lot of like canadians like doing all their upset with their government and the diff- the problem is though is that why is you know 80% of canada outraged when only 39% voted
0: the bigger question is, why is that, um, what would it be, 61%? Why are they not voting? Yeah. I, I may be wrong on that number. I'm terrible with math in my head.
1: No, but... no, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 60, it's
0: 61. 61%. 61%. Why is that 61% not voting? Yeah. Why are they not getting to the polls? What's stopping yeah. them? Is it just apathy or are there other factors in the equation to consider?
1: And again, I think it goes back to the whole idea that they, they think that the sole fight of them going to the polls won't result in something right away. And they don't look at the long-term trailing effects. No one looks at the garden. They're just looking at the tools they need to make the holes.
0: Here's the problem, I think, that simplifies everything we're saying right now. Your vote matters. But everything else you do matters, too. As yeah. well as everything else you're not doing. Yep. For better or worse. Yep. That's that's exactly it. If you're not pulling out every tool you have, every action you can take, everything you can say and do in a situation... Then the opposition that will be doing that will beat you every single time. Yep. That was something I wanted to emphasize in my speech. You need to learn your tools. You need to learn what tools your enemies, whatever they may be, are. Your your enemy doesn't have to be a person either. It could be a force, as we talked about. uh, Climate change. That's my enemy. I would say. What can I do about that? How does it function? How does it operate? what lets it thrive and what could I do to make it not thrive myself as an individual and myself as all of us who wish to make a change these are the things people don't ask and this is why they say my vote doesn't matter everything behind your vote matters but what are you putting behind it
1: here's a a good example If, if 20 years ago Someone had told you that the roughly the entire west coast of America would be undergoing constant forest fires, and parts of Miami and whatnot were being completely flooded. Um, other places all over the world were having constant wildfires in their forest and grassland regions and you'd be experiencing record high temperatures in random locations and then in other spots getting record lows in the middle of summer you probably would have looked at that person 20 years ago and be like "What? What? what did you see that trailer for that new movie 2012 come on well, the thing is, I think, and I'm sure you know this. Yeah, that did happen. Yeah, it did. All these things happen. All of these things are happening right now. No, no,
0: that guy presented all that information and in those predictions.
1: Oh shit, he did, didn't he? There were a couple, <laughs> actually. There was there was
0: Al Gore. Now, well, I remember Al Gore. people harp on him cuz he kind of there was some information that wasn't as accurate as it could be and he used the term global warming, I believe, which for some that, reason that deconstructs this entire argument to some people. That yeah that triggers me, but there were many many people with these same warnings. I've been yep. warned of global You said 20 years ago. I was 5 years old 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. But throughout grade school, I was warned of global warming, which eventually became yeah. climate change. We were all warned. The issue was not enough action was taken. It wasn't taken because there are many people, and I'm very guilty of this. I'm turning this around as of very recently. There were many people who said, I'm powerless to do anything. I can recycle as much as I can. It won't stop my neighbor from throwing all of their plastic into a trash can that falls into the ocean. That despair that we talked about. But I would say we just didn't do enough, is what it comes down to. Yeah. We didn't act passionately enough. We didn't act smart enough. We didn't use the intelligence we had to make enough change fast enough because our votes don't matter. Because we have no control over our society that we live in. You know, these are the things that we tell
1: ourselves. We didn't look before we leaped. We just or, or rather we did look and
0: we didn't make the right deductions. We never took that leap.
1: No, I, I think in a lot of cases we were just leaping because it was progress. That too, yeah. Both hand we, in hand. We we put we put blind trust in other people and basically said we'll leap with you, you look first. We trust you. We pay you went to school, you know how to look. So as long as you look first, don't worry about it. But little do you know, the guy who's doing the looking is getting paid off by big oil company to be like Oh, oh emissions they're not that big of a deal. That's like in a hundred years. You never have to worry about don't that.
0: care. Some people you don't even have to pay off, they just don't yeah. care.
1: Or they just don't believe.
0: And those people are my enemy. If you want me to uh, draw a battle line there, that's it. That's the enemy for me. People who would willingly throw the entire world away for no reason. You can't even say they have a reason. There's no reason to it. Their ignorance and not wanting to accept the facts of them isn't a reason. A reason for me to make sure they're not in power anymore, right?
1: That's really it.
0: But you can't beat them by just screaming in their face that they're wrong. It's like trying to take a crying baby and shake it to silence. That's just gonna kill the baby and not do anyone any favors, right?
1: Yeah. No, it's just gonna make you look like the enemy. Yeah. And then everything Which, that in you in many yeah. aspects rightfully so, you know. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like like I'm, you could try you could try a hundred different ways that are completely non-confrontational, up to that to try and get the baby to stop crying. But the moment you shake it, even if the baby doesn't die, the moment you shake it, or even look like you're going to shake it, you become the enemy, and everything you did up to that point doesn't matter. Because the moment the moment you decide that you have to be the bad guy, quote-unquote, to get stuff done you'll be the bad guy yeah and then everything you did to try and stop this this problem won't matter because now you're the problem it's been a recurring
0: theme throughout this entire show we've talked about idols that have turned into the thing they said they were fighting against many of them with no good reason at all it was simply primal inhibition and primal inhibition i think
1: is the root of so many of our problems today we we just chalk things up to being you know, part of nature but it is what it is you uh, what you got to really understand is that to be human to to be a human being is to go beyond our nature that's the whole point of civilization was to rise above
0: the jungle and the woods and the animals killing us be something more
1: than those animals Yeah, and we've gotten stuck in this kind of spot where again there's there's apathy there's no aspiration there's no hope and that's what we're constantly fed to believe but the fact is that all these things are still there and these people who have them are still pushing forward but unless you become one of those people too you're not going to be able to tell who's doing it for the betterment of everyone and who's doing it for the betterment of them and them that's what it is that's why I say go to war
0: because what's the other option? Do nothing. Hope someone else will save you. No one's coming to save you. No one. Not if you're not going to be able to save yourself. Not if you're even going to do anything to save yourself. You won't be a blip on anybody's radar if you don't make a move for what you believe in. And rightfully so again. Just jump. You see the landscape.
1: Make a tactical decision and jump. I think there's one more thing, though, and, and this is the fact that some some people aren't going to be able to fight, but what they can do is nurture. I think nurturing is part of that fight. But but I guess my my point is is that your swords can become farming tools. Yes. Farming tools can become swords.
0: In World War II, that was you know a big part of the American war effort was everybody does their part for the war. Yeah. You didn't have to be a soldier to do your part. You could be a farmer, mass producing food that would be sent overseas to your soldiers. Mm-hmm. You could be a woman in the factory, mass producing equipment that would be sent overseas to your soldiers, so on yeah. and so forth. And, and I guess that's
1: kind of my I guess that's my point though is that there's again there's this big push to fight, but understand that. Being the gardener is just as important as being the soldier. Because without the gardener, the soldier can't eat. And without the soldier, the gardener dies. We have roles that we can play. Some of us are meant for those battles, but also know... You don't have to be the fight, but you can be the catalyst that nurtures someone who does.
0: I think it's a very empowering thing you could say to anybody. You don't have to fit a certain role. You just—everyone has a strength. Every single person in the world—I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're crippled—you have a strength. You have something you're good at. You have something you're formed on. You have something, and you can use that something to help make the world you want. I keep using the term we many times because that's it. It's a we thing. One person isn't going to do it all because one person can't do it all. There are things I'm really good at things. I am great at and there are things that I would not be able to make heads or tails of, but someone else could. And if someone believes in the same things as I do and we work together, we could do way more together than we ever could alone. Certainly way more together than we ever could alone doing nothing. Yeah. But but something, anything, is always better than nothing. Because anything is step one. It's a seed. And then you can grow from there. And I just I wish, I want you, whoever is listening, and everyone else that isn't, just to plant their garden. Whatever that may be. Take your step one. Because no one's going to take it for you. And you don't need them to. You're better than that. Yep. But you have to let yourself be better than that. You have to choose to be better than that. The moment you choose to be the person that you need in your life, the moment you choose to be the hero you wish you were before, the moment you choose to be the character that you imagine yourself as when you're more optimistic, you become that person because that person is just action. That's what all people are, the sum of their actions. Lesser the sum of their words and the more the sum of their actions. Now, Don't get me wrong, the right words can be a good action in the right situation, but most of the time, it comes down to more of everything else you do. I'm doing the opposite of what you do. Where Earlier in the podcast, you are like, if you're one of these people who do this, then let me tell you. <laughs> This is the, uh, Stop
1: doing that, Stop doing
0: that. This is the other end of the spectrum, the uh Shia LaBeouf effect.
1: Do it. Yeah. Just do it.
0: But I believe but, it all. You know, I'm I'm very sincere in every word I say. And if there are those that want to challenge, you know, these concepts, let's talk about it. Because I, I guarantee the world's way more of an optimistic place than you would be led to believe. That's the whole point of what I said at the beginning. It's an optimistic place if you make it an optimistic place. Despair is the result of just doing nothing and letting it be whatever it is, taking it for granted. Optimism is the result of action, I would say defiance to a degree, and vision, and just choosing to carry it out. We spent 17 episodes talking about all the things that cripple a person, all of the things wrong with the world. Now I just, I decided, you know, I want to talk about what we could do to make it right. And that's it. Anything can make it right, as long as you're doing it. And you're doing it with a plan. Don't be a kite in the wind. Just be whacked around. No, that's true. Yeah, you're not wrong.
1: You're not wrong at all. Any other thoughts for you, sir? I guess, like, just my parting words is this is really just like a basic ideology that people can kind of get behind. Is is that don't be afraid to be someone's genuine hype man. There's no shame in that. Even you know? even if it's even if it's yours, but like even your peers, because uh, I think something that. I we can really sit down and say is that the pair of us, you and I. Yes. We we've been on a precarious road. You no, know, we we've had we've had ups and downs. Not not in our relationship per se, but in the, the relationships that we either co mingled in or had, you know, existences in and out of. Throughout our entire lives as well as things
0: you and I have encountered together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I but I mean but really since like we started our our friendship under the most ludicrous points. I mean, it was a it was a group of people that you wouldn't expect the two of us, of all people, would come out of uh, with the bonds that we have. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And There have been times where again, both of us have been in dark places, but we I think we've both unapologetically been each other's hype man in those moments. We we have been that 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 lift support. You know, that he is they we have been each other's spotter when needed.
0: The thing you say Uh,
1: about um
0: don't be afraid to be someone's hype man is that that's a very important thing to say. Cause even before I gave my little speech at the beginning there, I was wondering to myself, you know, silly little doubts that I don't really indulge anymore, but they're there. And I know that other people deal with these on a much more severe level. It's just, is this ridiculous? Am I role playing here? Am I, am I just playing a character? Am I pretending to be a superhero and saying all this stuff? And you know what? The answer is yes, I am that's fine yeah because i'm still committing the actions i still believe in what i say yep and maybe just by doing that pretending to be a superhero stops being pretend if you commit to it Yep. discard that's that funny. shame and just get on the mission you're gonna be so- a little ridiculous if you really believe it that's fine it's good to be ridiculous because you know what everybody else that's in power everyone else that has an influence over the world they're ridiculous in their own ways I gotten power I mean yeah take a look at the last uh, president of the United States okay, Right, just... world's most ridiculous man you could find but for a minute he was the world's most powerful man too yep so why why hold back your enemies aren't going to don't hold back just be tactical. Episode well, 18. Episode 18 of Greg and Triss. I want to thank you all for listening as far as we've come here. And I want to thank you all for listening, those of you just tuning in. Going forward, this may be somewhat of a different show, but in many ways the same as well. The um, What was it you told me? two years ago when I was in a weird crossroads I think you said always keep growing right?
1: Yep. Always keep growing.
0: I would say we've hit a, a growth spurt here and I don't intend to stop.